praise him. Amen. Amen. You may be seated here today. You can get your Bibles out and go with me to Jeremiah. I'm going to go to chapter 29 here in just a few moments. Boy, it's just special to be in God's house. And it's special to be here with you. And the stirring that we feel like that is taking place uh, just continues. And it's one of those stirrings where it's kind of a slow stir. You know what I mean? We're not just whipping it up real fast. It's a slow stir. And over the last several weeks, God has been stirring many of our people, many of you. And I pray that we will all just allow God to continue to stir our hearts and our minds and take us to these moments that we've been having, uh, these special moments, because God is working. Um, There are a lot of challenges before us, a lot of difficulties, a lot of emotions. I know especially the week that we have had and the weeks that are ahead of us, there's a lot of emotions. But I know that God, God has our God God in every way. He wants us to trust in him. You're going to see that here in the word in just a few moments. We just need to continue to put our hearts on him. Amen. So today I'm going to continue on with the series. We've been here now for a while, and I just thank God for his word as he just continues to pour it into us. I'm going to continue with the series, Think Bigger, Think Better, and Think Blessed. Church, we know that when we put our minds on bigger, better, and blessed, our knowledge is limited within itself. But when you and I add the vastness of God's power, God's wisdom, uh, all of his unlimited resources, when we consider that, we realize that living in such a manner is very much a possibility. Now, last week, you went with me to Isaiah chapter 40. It was a prophetic message that was given to the people 150 years before they would be taken into captivity. And he was speaking to that remnant that would return from that, that would be able to return back to their home in Jerusalem. And so in that, he is speaking of himself. He is getting their minds fixed on him and who he is. And if you remember with me in verse 25, that question was asked in scripture where it says, to whom will you compare me? Who is my equal? Ask the Holy One. We continue to read on in verse 28 where it said, have you never heard, have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. When we read through that passage and we saw together what God was speaking into the lives of the people, we understand even today, nothing in life, no circumstance, No hurt, no brokenness, no failure, no sin, no addiction, no fear or anxiety or whatever emotion that we may be wrestling with, no mountain or or no barren wilderness or whatever it may be, nothing is bigger than God. And I know that you're grabbing a hold of that with me. We know that, but it's good to be reminded often of how big God is in our life and what he's doing in our lives. There is no doubt that God wants to continue to do great things in his people. If he was finished with us, he would have already came back and had us go back home with him, right? But he has a plan and a purpose to be fulfilled in our lives as individuals, as families, and as a church. For everybody online watching with me, God is not finished with you, and he has something much bigger than you could possibly imagine if we'll just continue to pursue him. Again, I go back to the prayer that Paul had there in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 from the message. It says, God can do anything you know. 
far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us, his spirit deeply and gently within us. And that is my prayer. My pastoral prayer for my church family is that God's Holy Spirit is working deep within you and that he is moving you in the direction that he would have you go and that in that you are embracing that. You're discovering more of him and the promises that he has for you and the way that he wants to fulfill his plan in your life. You see, church, every single believer has the vastness of God's love and grace and unlimited possibilities living within you through the presence of the Holy Spirit. Do you believe that with me this morning? The Holy Spirit and the vastness of God is inside of you. So we know that even when life is challenging and difficult, it is God's plan that we continue to lean on him. We have to continue to trust in him to carry on in our relationship with him, to draw from his endless supply of resources, to continue to mature in our faith and continue to pursue all that he has for us in our lives. So I tell you this morning, in all circumstances, in everything, in the culture we're in, in all that's happening right now, keep your mind on God. Keep your mind on him being bigger than all of this, than any opposition, than any false narrative, than any idea or philosophy of man. Keep your mind fixed on him and the things of God, and you will be okay. You'll be at peace. You will find that strength within. Today, for the next few moments, I want to take you back to the Jewish people in their journey. We're going to go to Jeremiah 29. Now, most of you know that in Jeremiah 29, there is verse 11, and it is one of the most quoted Old Testament verses uh, in the Scripture. It is a very life-giving verse, and it's filled with hope. Jeremiah 29, 11, you know it. It says this, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you future and a hope. There is so much power in that scripture. But today, I want you to consider with me, why was it stated? When was it stated? And who was its original audience? And how does it impact my life today? We see last week, again, we were in Isaiah 40, and that was Isaiah giving that prophetic word that they were going to go into Babylonian captivity. So when we get here to Jeremiah, what we find is they are going into captivity. So he is speaking and prophesying to the people that are already in Babylonian captivity. So I think it's important that we see this text together where we find this promise, you know, uh, amongst us. So let's go. Jeremiah chapter 29. In verse number one, it says, Jeremiah wrote a letter from Jerusalem to the elders, priests, prophets, and all the people who had been exiled to Babylon by King Nebuchadnezzar. So we know right there who our audience is. So here we are, verse four. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says to all the captives he has exiled to Babylon from Jerusalem. Build homes and plan to stay. Plant gardens and eat the food that they produce. Marry and have children. Then find spouses for them so that you may have many grandchildren. Multiply. Do not dwindle away. And work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. 
This is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says. Do not let your prophets and fortune tellers who are with you in the land of Babylon trick you. Do not listen to their dreams because they are telling you lies in my name. I have not sent them, says the Lord. Now this is what the Lord says to you. You will be in Babylon for 70 years, but then I will come and do for you all the good things that I have promised, and I will bring you home again. And here's that verse. For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good, not for disaster, to give you a future, to give you a hope. Verse 12, in those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will end your captivity and restore your fortunes. I will gather you out of the nations where I sent you and will bring you home again to your own land. You claim that the Lord has raised up these prophets for you in Babylon. But this is what the Lord says about the king who sits on David's throne and all those still living here in Jerusalem, your relatives who were not exiled into Babylon. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies says. I will send war and famine and disease upon them, and I will make them like bad figs, too rotten to eat. Yes, I will pursue them with war and famine and disease. I will scatter them around the world. In every nation where I send them, I will make them an object of damnation, horror, contempt, and mockery. Strong words, right? Strong words for those who will oppose the living God, for those who will reject him, for those who will use his name for their own gain, who will lie, who, who will just reject him in every way. That's what was happening for these prophets in Babylon. But go to verse 19. For they refuse to listen to me, though I have spoken to them repeatedly through the prophets that I have sent. Now here's the sentence that is just really, it just drops. And it says, and you who are in exile to the prophecy which is given. And you who are in exile, you have not listened either, says the Lord. Powerful words from the prophet Jeremiah. Now the chapter finishes with talking about the outcome of two of those prophets specifically. But let me take you back. Let me take you back to verse 11, that verse of hope. It is a verse that should compel us to exchange all that is bad in life for that which is good. Now, specifically, this word to the exiles was to prepare them for a long stay in Babylon. We, we take it as it's been given to them at the beginning here. They've got 70 years. Now, remember, as you're reading this, remember, it was their disobedience and their personal rebellion towards God that had brought them to this place. So we know the consequence before them would be felt for a long period of time. But I want you to see something. Even in this consequence, the season of correction, God's mercy and grace was given to them. It was upon his people. And why did he continue to do that? It's because he always had a bigger and better and blessed plan for their life. Even in the middle of that correction, 
even in the middle of all that they would face, you see the heartbeat of God. And the heartbeat of God is for his people to prosper. And I don't mean just in your pocketbook. I'm using the word prosper in the spirit of God within you. A sound mind, a joyful heart, a soul that is at peace, a person who can walk with God, know God, understand him, have clarity, be able to worship him with a true heart and a true nature. That's the prosperity I'm talking about. When you look to him, that is who you will always find. God will never rebel against us. He will never reject us. But even at our worst moment, he is always there to say, hey, if you look for me, you will find me. If you will seek my face, you will always see where I am at because I am for you and I am not against you. That is the God in whom we serve. Now, there is one incredibly important factor that I want you to see with me this morning in this text, and that is the choice to go there with God is up to you and I. It's up to you and I. Thinking bigger and better and blessed ultimately is up to each of us. God can proclaim his promises through his word. God can use the pastor to proclaim the message that he has given to the church. And the people can rejoice in that. But it's up to you whether you're going to receive it, embrace it, and walk in it. Ultimately up to each of us. I want you to look at verse 12, 13, and 14. You see, I believe verse 12, 13, and 14 should always accompany verse 11. Now, when you go to the Christian bookstore and you see a good picture on the wall, you know, and it's got a scripture verse, a scripture of hope and a scripture of promise, you're probably going to find one. It's got Jeremiah 29, 11. There's certainly nothing wrong with that because that is a scripture of hope and it's a scripture of promise. But I want you to see this all together because it is so important. You go back there with me in verse 12. It says, and then in those days, in those days when you truly start to cry out for something better, when you truly realize the state of your condition, when you understand that this is not where you're supposed to be and you know there's something better for your life, and when you really begin to look to God, when you pray, it says, I will listen. So that promise that is given to us in verse 11 is followed up by this. And if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will be found. I will be, you will find me and I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will end that captivity. I will restore your fortunes. I will gather you out of the nations where I sent you. I will bring you home again to your own land. Those verses should always be with a promise because that's what God wants to do in our lives. But those verses of 12, 13, and 14, they show us that there is a responsibility on our end on how we're going to embrace Jeremiah 29 and 11. There is a responsibility to our lives today. Now I know the audience is to the exiled Jewish people. But we learn from their story. We learn from their journey because that's a promise that we want in our lives today. And I believe that promise is a lie for all of God's people. Just like the Jewish people here, you and I have to learn from this and we have to see the bigger picture. And the bigger picture is what? Is that God will always do his part. But how are you and I going to respond to that? It's important. I think about certain scriptures. Proverbs 16 comes to mind. 
Verse number three, commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. You know Matthew 6 very well. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously and he will give you everything you need. That passage goes on to tell us to not worry. Don't have anxiety. Day to day, trust the Lord. Second Peter, I've got verse 5 on the PowerPoint, but I'm going to read a little bit further back here. I'm going to verse 3. Listen, it says, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. That sounds good, and we'd all probably say, praise the Lord, I want some of that. But look at verse number five. You see it there. In view of all of this, in view of all of this in which you are hearing, all of this in which you know, the wisdom and the power and the glory of God, in view of all of this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. New Testament, there for you and I. Make every effort to respond to God's promises that he has over your life. The scripture will go on to say, supplement your faith with generous provision of moral excellence. With moral excellence, add knowledge. Knowledge, add self-control. And with that self-control, have some patient endurance. And with that patient endurance, there's going to be that godliness. And with that godliness, there's going to be that brotherly affection, that love for one another, that respect for everyone. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In other words, giving you the ability to walk in the promises that are before you. You see, church, if you're going to experience life in the vastness of God's wisdom and God's power and his unlimited resources... You must make the decision to take responsibility for that which he has given you. You know, I was thinking about the illustration. Let's say forgiveness. Because here's what I want to tell you this morning. And think about where we're at right now. God's promises have not left the church. God's promises have not left any one of us. If it's forgiveness that you need in your life, there is always going to be the promise of forgiveness. That's what the cross of Calvary was all about. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. He wants you to walk in forgiveness. The Bible tells us in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, if we'll take that responsibility, he is always faithful and just, and he will always forgive us of all of our sins. The promise of forgiveness is always before you. The promise of peace, a peaceful mind, is always before you. The promise of truth, the promise of joy, the promise of clarity, the promise that the gates of hell will never prevail against the church, those promises are always before you and I. Every individual promise in Scripture that talks about building you up and strengthening you and renewing you and transforming your life, that promise is always there before you. The promises of God do not go away. The promises of God do not fade away in any measure. The promises of God are just as powerful when they were first given to God's people. The promises of God are always there before us. So we have to ask ourselves a question. Well, why do I not feel like I'm in that promise? Because we have to come back to that responsibility of you 
and I. You see, we go back to the people here that were exiled into Babylon. God was speaking into them. What did he want for them? He wanted them to multiply. He wanted them to increase. He, he wanted to pour his, his, his self into them while they were there. He even wanted them to pray for the nation that was holding them captive. He would take care of them later. But for them to increase, they needed to have, that nation needed to prosper. So you see God at work in all of this. He was pouring his word into them. He was pouring his promise into them. But he tells them, I have bigger and better plans for you. But if you're going to walk in those, you're going to have to seek me. And you're going to have to seek me with all of your heart. Churches, there's something that needs to happen in your life today. If something needs to look different, if you don't feel like you're walking in a place that's bigger and better and blessed, I would challenge you today as your pastor, look into that mirror and ask yourself, am I taking responsibility for the promises that God has placed before me? Because they haven't gone anywhere but it's up to you and I to walk in that. So when he forgives you, walk in that. Change. Allow yourself to be transformed. That means your words are going to be words of forgiveness. That means maybe you have something against someone. You know what? If you'll walk in forgiveness, God will show you how that will unfold into a peaceful way. If it's with God, if you will ask for his forgiveness, God will change your life. Again, those promises are always before you and I. When you seek him, you will always find him. When I read this, I get the idea that God is saying to his people. Now, this is just my personal way I read this. Is that he's grabbing the attention of his people. But what he's really want for them is to just get their complete focus and just get desperate for him to move in their lives. I believe it was Martin Batterson in one of his books uh, that says, pray like your life depends on it, right? And that's serious. And I believe that's such a great statement. Pray like your life depends on it. In other words, if there's something in your life that needs to change, if you don't like where you're at, if you feel like you're just going in circles, if you feel like you're just stuck, you know what? You need to stop. You need to let go for a moment, and you just need to seek the Lord and what he would have for you in your life. You ever been stuck before? What do we normally do, especially guys, especially guys from Kawita? I, I know guys from Muldrow, oh, farm boys. When you're stuck in a farm truck or just in your truck in general, what, what do you normally do? I, I can get out of this. You know, first you look around and see if anybody's watching. But you're like, I'm going to get out of this. And usually what we do is we put our foot to the pedal. I mean, we'll just go and we'll go and we'll go. And if that's not working, we put it, you know, in reverse. Then we put it in four. Then we put it in reverse. We're putting every gear that we've got that we've never used before because we're like, we are going to get out of this. How many have ever been in that situation and you find yourself more stuck? You know, when you start to see the mud coming through the bottom of your door, you in trouble. And that's what we do in life sometimes. We get stuck where we're at. We get stuck in our emotions. We get stuck in our fears. We get stuck in our anxiety. And the next thing you know, we're just doing everything we know to get out of it. And the Lord is saying to us, you know what? You just need to stop. You need to take your foot off the pedal. And you need to seek me. Because when you seek me, you will find me. And my promise of hope 
my promise of blessing, my promise of provision, my promise of protection, my promise of a plan for your life, my promise of clarity, every promise I've spoken over you, it will still be there. When you seek me, you will see all of that, and I will show you how to walk in that. And that's what God wants for you and I today. Church, when we pray, he will listen. And if we look for him wholeheartedly, what does that word mean? What does the root of that word mean? That means with everything inside of us. When we look for him wholeheartedly, we will always find him. There's a lot going on in our nation right now, right? These next few weeks, there's going to be a lot of emotions, a lot of conversations. There's going to be ideas. There's going to be tests and challenges. I hear now, you know, a call for unity. I appreciate, I appreciate that thought. But I'm going to stand before you as your pastor, and I'm going to tell you, the only unity that's going to be, self, or that's going to be sustaining is going to be a unity found in Jesus Christ. Because everything else will just fall apart again. So I stand before you today and I say, my hope, I'm thankful for democracy. I'm thankful for the nation in which I live. I'm praying for truth to be revealed in everything. No matter who ends up in the chair, just let it be truth. Let it be what it's supposed to be. Right? Amen. Let it be what it's supposed to be regardless. At the end of the day, my hope remains in Jesus. My hope is on his promises. My future, my plans, everything about my life is in his hands. The story has been written. The promise of forgiveness, the promise of healing, the promise of restoration, the promise of transformation, the promise of my family, of my grandchildren, of a community at peace and a community thriving, that is found in Jesus Christ, in Jesus Christ alone. So church, be, let your spirit wake up inside. Let your mind wake up inside. Get it off of man. Give it off of human philosophy and put it on the truth of who God is. Now, you say, Pastor, you're with me. I feel it. You're with me. But I got to go back to this story because we're like, let's go there today. Don't you know the people in exile? They were like, all right, Jeremiah, I like it. We're going there today. Jeremiah's like, no, wait a minute. 70 years got to pass first, and then. So that just lets me know, as I get just all in with God, I'm going to trust him not only with the promises, I'm going to trust him with the timing of those promises because it's in his timing. Now, it doesn't mean I got to go stick my head in the sand for the next 70 years because what did the scripture say? Build homes. Plant gardens, multiply, find husbands and wives for your children, have some grandchildren. You hear that, kids? Keep those grandchildren rolling, all right? So, <laughs> Morgan's like, I'm having two, Dad. I'm done, <laughs> all right? Michelle watched both of the little guys yesterday while the whole family went to cut wood. We got back, and she was like, 
you could just tell it'd been quite the day. All right. <laughs> yes, amen. Some grandparents out there, amen. In that season of correction, in that place that maybe you really don't want to be in, God still wants you to thrive even in that. Man, isn't he good to us? We don't even deserve it. But that's just who he is. May you embrace and walk in all that God has for you in your life, for your family. And God, may this church be a light of hope. And when I say this church, I'm not talking about the building. I mean, we're getting ready to light it up for Christmas here in just a few days. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you. May we be the light of hope as we walk with God. Father, I thank you, Lord, for just your word, your truth, the strength of your word, the encouragement of your word, the correction of your word, the promise of your word. Thank you. Thank you for the word that you speak into us. Father, as I pray over my church family, I pray that, God, they receive this in a manner in which you intended it to be received. No matter where they're at, what season, we're all in a certain season together. But maybe there are things, I know there are, there are things going on in their lives that have nothing to do with really anything of this week or the political climate or even COVID. There's things that God, our families go through. So I pray, Father Lord, for every single individual. I pray for every family. I pray for every couple. I pray for those who are doing life single. I pray, Father Lord, for every single one. That, Father Lord God, as they read your promises, as they hear your word, that, Father Lord God, it sinks deep in their spirit. And, Father Lord, it's cultivated in such a manner that, Father Lord, it begins to, God, grow inside of them. And, God, as it's growing, Father Lord, you're adding to them. You're adding to that knowledge, that wisdom. You're adding to them that clarity. You're adding to them that which they need to see. So, Father, I pray, Father Lord God, for your wisdom, for your knowledge, for your strength, for your clarity, for your purpose, for your promise to be upon each and every individual, each and every family, and upon this church. And as this awakening continues within us, God, let it spill over, God, into those places in which we influence. But God, first in us, continue to do this work, God. This stirring, God, continue. In Jesus' name, blessing, favor, forgiveness, life, hope, healing, the miraculous power of God, all that you have from your unlimited supply, Father, Lord of resources, pouring in, God, to my church family. Thank you, Father, Lord, for your love, for your word. In Jesus' name.